Thank you for downloading The Pursuit Podcast. For more information on The Pursuit, visit thepursuitsoco.com. Because the implications of it just kept pounding me. So I don't even know that I have all of the answers, but I'm going to bring you up to where I am. All right. So in the past two weeks, what happened for me is I got sent to Asia Pacific um, for business to go do a set of meetings in Sydney, in Melbourne, and then a couple of days in Singapore. And all of that happened. Um, I left on Thursday night, as one does, to to go um, to Asia. You leave at night, like midnight flights. And the whole day of that Thursday, um, I could just feel the Holy Spirit tapping on my shoulder. Like, I get to be alone with you soon, soon soon. And I could feel this anticipation of like, I get you to myself, absent your distractions. And so I'm like, okay, hang on. Like, I got to finish this work day because it was busy. Like my Thursday was busy. And so I get on the plane and it's like, all right, here I am. And there was nothing. And the very first thing I got to do is I got to go to the maker of my piano. I got to go to the, the Stuart and Sons piano factory. And I got to check in on the piano that's being made. And like, that was all fun. And God just let me have the time and just like, enjoy yourself, kid. And he didn't have anything for me, but I feel this like, wait, this waiting. And so on the flight between Sydney and uh, Singapore, it started. It started. He had me alone. And I'm having moments and all kinds of things are happening. But then I got into doing things in Singapore. It leaves me alone to do my work. And I get COVID literally the day before I'm supposed to come home. And Singapore is a place that has very strict rules about, well, a lot of things. A lot of things. And so I'm confined to the hotel, and I cannot leave until I test. Um, I have to be there 72 hours, three days for sure, and then plus however long it takes me to test clean. And so um, I was there for five extra days in a progressive descent into stillness. The first day, on Saturday, I basically did all my to-dos that I could do on the internet. Ordered the things, paid the bills, like all of the things that one needed to do. Because I wasn't going to be home to do it. And then the second day, I burned myself out on social media. All the web things that I wanted to do, reading all the news. And at the end of the day, God said, are you done? And I said, yeah, I'm done. And I knew that the next day, I wasn't going to open my phone, I wasn't going to read email, I wasn't going to do anything, I was just going to be. And so I was. And I was for three days. And do you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. I just was. Like something deep was happening, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Nothing really happened. And so I came home not feeling any particular direction. And then this last Thursday, for some reason, I was reading through Galatians early in the morning. And it says this in Galatians 2.20. You can go there if you want. I'm going to be all in Galatians today. It's the only place we'll be. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And... I am no longer driven to impress God. I thought, what? What? I totally am driven to impress God. And he says, Paul says, the life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God. Christ lives in me. 
why can't we impress God? I mean, besides that he created the universe and all. Like, there's a, there's a more fundamental thing, and it has to do with the idea of union. If we actually have union with Christ, and he is actually living in us and through us, how can he possibly be impressed by what he is doing? Like, that is the implication of the union, is that our desires and our actions become his. We're saying we want to do the will of the Father, and he's saying, I want to do the will of you. And it's one. It's not two. And that's crazy. And that's when the shattering started for me, because I realized I so want to impress him. I am in Enneagram type four, which is the artist, and my wing is the performer. I will do anything to make you like me. And I'd be happy to work for, for God, like really happy. I would perform for him. I have. But Paul says that's not actually possible, that thing. In Galatians 3.11, he says, the person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. What? What? Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. I was like, dang, I have plans. I have so many things that I want to do for God, because he surely needs it. Hmm? And yet, doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what he has for us. I thought, this is not good news. This is not good news. In Galatians 5, 4 through 6, it continues. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and project, Galatians 5, 4 through 6, when you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. What? Such an insulting book. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. So when we try to have our own religious plans and projects and we decide how we're going to please God, we are cut off from Christ and we fall out of grace and then we're hoping that we have a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. Ouch. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. In other words, whatever you're thinking about all that, it just doesn't matter. You can try to make all kinds of great and grandiose plans and projects, or you can totally not, and it doesn't matter. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed as love. Hmm. Hmm. Well, all of that left me in kind of a very thoughtful place because I didn't really know what to make of it because it, it, it just felt like part of my foundation had been shattered, like part of it had been taken um, because I think it's very normal when you 
like appreciate God and we think we want to do something for him. We want to live for him. It's like our thanks. It's like, let me, let me give it back somehow. And it's like, he's like, but I don't want it. But, but, but about that, I had a fascinating experience um, about eight months ago. I was, uh, you know, I was reading a bunch of things in Isaiah, and all of a sudden, I, I got a whole string of how things could go together, and I was like, hey, God, I could make an album of music that like, went along this whole trail and like, does this whole thing. He's like, what do you think? Would, would you like me to do that for you? And he was like, nah. <laughs> like immediately, just like, nah. Not, not hard. Not like, like, no, you totally have the wrong idea, kid. Just, nah. Like, not interested. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And he was like, you should go improvise on the bass. I was like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. It is not my first instrument. Like, I cannot think out loud on the bass. Like, I can do that on the piano, but I cannot do that on the bass. But I didn't say that. I thought that, but I didn't say that. I went in and I improvised on the bass. And his spirit flooded the room. And I was like, fine. Like, I it just like, because like it wasn't good. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It wasn't musical. It wasn't satisfying to me. And I thought, okay, I, do, I just am not fully clear on what he wants. And that's what I took at the time, several months ago. I'm going to come back to that story in a few minutes. What I want to do now is actually kind of cut to the punchline because Paul actually tells us how to resolve these sticky bits. He actually gives us the answer in a very simple formula. It's like, it's like how do you live? Like, you live this way. If you go to Galatians 6, verse 4, you'll notice we're progressively stepping through the book, and the answer is a little bit towards the end of the book. Yes, you're... You're following along. Here it is. It's up on the screen. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. All right. Well, that's actually relatively simple. Um, if we, whoop, there we go. So he gives us a formula, a very simple formula with three parts to it, three things to do. One, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given. Hmm. So what kinds of things have you been given? What is the work that you've been given? What are the things that God has put in your life? Who has he made you? Whose job is it to figure that out? It's yours. It's not God's. It's the glory of God to hide a thing. It's the glory of kings and queens to search a matter out. Like, that's actually our work. He's not going to do it. It is our job to figure out who we are. Like, you can take personality tests. You can take strength finders tests. You can take you know, college and career classes, like to, to show you different industries, you can talk to people, you can journal, you can do a million and one things, but whose job is that inner work? It is yours. It is not his. He's not going to do it for you. But when you get some sense of that, I guarantee you he will confirm it in you. Like there is resonance and you can learn how to feel resonance in your own life. 
Like when you're talking about some things, you just get lit up and you can hardly not stop. That's important. That's something you care deeply about. It's part of you. That's resonance. And you can learn how to identify resonance in your own life and then to ultimately figure out some measure of who you actually are, even if being it all scares the fire out of you. That's okay. So that's thing number one, is an exploration of who we are, and then what's the work that we've been given? Right alongside that, this is the way God actually works. As soon as the Israelites were made into a nation, he gave them little tiny things to do. He said, build me a house that looks like this. And then he basically left them alone for nine months with the tabernacle, and their only job was to run the tabernacle and not kill each other. And he kind of said, you know, that's all I'm asking you to do. And immediately after that, he basically said, let's go on a little exhibition. And he gives them a couple small skirmishes to get stronger. As soon as identity is revealed in our life, God will generally put some tiny, impossibly small thing right in front of us. And that's an invitation. It's the invitation to do the thing. Like for me, when I was 18, my grandfather gave me a grand piano. I was like, here, you're studying music, you should have this. I don't need it anymore. And so I got given a grand piano, and I told you the story. What did I do? I went off and ran to the military. I missed the point. What was the work that I had been given? I had the, like, that's what God does, is he says, hey, is this what you do with your kids, by the way? If they say, I want to play volleyball, what do you do? You sign them up for volleyball. Or if they're like, you know, seem artistic, you'd like say, well, hey, like, let's get you some paints and maybe you should go to the class at the art store on Tuesday night, right? Like, it's perfectly normal. This is what happens. Do we care what position they play in volleyball? No. Do we care what they paint or draw? No. We want them to explore. We want them to be like, here, here's a bike. What will you do with it? Will you do tricks? Are you going to do jumps? Are you just going to ride around the block? I don't know. It's okay. Whatever you choose. And that's the heart of the Father behind this, is we say, I'm this way, you made me this way, and he says, oh, well, here, you might like this, okay? So that's what I mean by the work that we have been given. What are the things that he places in our lives as kind of that first next step? It doesn't look like what you'll be 20 years from now. It's like, what would you do with this? right? Okay. The second thing, sink yourself into that. Like, go all out. Like, it's okay. That thing that God put in your life, that little tiny opportunity, is a perfect place to, like, go in. Don't despise the day of small things. Like, whatever that is, it's totally worth doing. It's worth grabbing onto, it's worth doing small. It's very, very important to work out the implications in every detail of your life. That's also from Galatians. We have to work out the details in every area of our life. What does that mean? Well, we're adults. We might have to go get lessons. We might have to go to school. We might have to pay somebody for coaching. We might have to take a course. We might have to invest in something or buy a different vehicle or whatever it is or invest in a new way in our business or hire somebody. Like, these are all things that we might have to do in order to work it out, right? Yeah, 
Like it's okay to sink yourself into what God's doing in your life and then figure out what it means to carry that forward. Maybe you have to buy some stuff and then you have to get insurance for it and you have to get a storage unit for it. Is that okay? That's just working out the implications in every area of your life. That's being responsible with the things that God gives us. If your kid says, I want to play drums, and you give them drums, and they play the drums, what do you then say? What else, how else can I help you, right? Isn't that the Father's heart for us? Is, I put some things in, you throw yourself into the thing he's doing in your life, and using your brain and your smarts, you figure out how to do that the best you can, whatever that means. And that's number three. Do your creative best with your own life as an expression of love, not obedience. That's, now we're back to that, like, how do you do it by, by faith, like, with love? It's not the making of projects for God, inventing things to do for him. It's entering into what he's put in front of you and then to do our creative best out of a love for doing the thing. Like, it is, is it enough to be who you are just for the joy of being you? It is. It is. This is the radical freedom that Paul actually talks about in Galatians. The whole book is about freedom. And it's actually the freedom to be fully and totally yourself. There's an amazing moment in The Chosen, the film The Chosen, where Jesus heals um, one of the lepers, and this guy crawls up to him, and, you know, he's covered in sores and the whole thing. And all the, everybody's freaking out because, you know, you don't want to get leprosy. Like, then your whole life is over in the Jewish culture. I mean, you've got, you got, you got AIDS. You've got, like, you're, you're just totally untouchable. And so um, all the d- disciples recoil, and Jesus walks up to the guy. And the disciples are like, what are you doing? You're a, get away from him. One of them pulls a knife to keep the guy away. And Jesus walks up to him and says, what can I do for you? And the man says, you can make me clean if you're willing. And Jesus looks at him and says, and he puts his hand on him. I mean, can you imagine putting a hand on a leper? And he says, I'm willing. Be clean. And the guy becomes clean. And it's just like the movie shows like his skin getting clean and the disciples are freaking out. And then the guy's all done, and he says, what, what, what do you want me to do? And Jesus says, nothing. Go live your life. That's what he tells the guy. Show yourself to the priest. Go live your life. He doesn't tell the guy to, like, start a church. He doesn't tell him you're in the ministry now. He doesn't tell him anything. He just says, well, I just thought you'd enjoy life more if you were whole. <laughs> like, why don't you go figure out what that means? And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's such a poignant moment in that, in that show when you realize that Jesus didn't have an agenda except just the guy being whole, and he was going to be fascinated, absolutely thrilled with whatever the guy decided to do with the rest of his life. Wow. Wow. So... A joyful response to what is God is doing, not a repayment of debt. 
Have you ever tried to work for God to like measure up to the thing he did for you? Like you saved my marriage. You rescued my kids. You got me out of alcohol. You got me out of drugs. You saved me from suicide. Whatever the thing is. Like do we then say, oh, well because of that I will do this thing for you. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it that way. He wants it to come as a joyful response. Like being free, now I can. Before I was in bondage, I couldn't. But now being free, I can. Being saved from my own opinion of myself, being saved from the unknowing of my own potential, I now can. Being saved from the opinion of other people, being saved from the fear of man, being saved from the fear of success, being saved from inadequacy and lack, what would you do if you were saved from all of those things? And the idea is, is that I say, I would be this. And you say, I would be that. And the whole thing is a vibrant tapestry of potential. This is heaven. If you don't like this, stop participating. Because heaven is going to be this way. It's going to be radically, vibrantly, technicolor, surround sound, Dolby Atmos, like everybody being their best self with radical abandon, surrounded by the love of Jesus shining everywhere, making all things possible. That's a working definition of heaven, right? That is what it's supposed to be here because of the freedom that we actually have in Christ. Here's the fascinating thing. There's only two things that are kind of like tips, if you will, that we're given in this. The first one is, is you, we're not allowed to compare ourselves with anyone. Oh, man, that's what YouTube's for. That's what Instagram is for. Like, it's a great place to go and feel horrible about yourself. If you're a musician, there's somebody who can play better than you. <laughs> if you're an artist, a painter, a preacher, it doesn't matter. There's somebody on the tube that does it way better than you. And, is, and like, why would you even bother? Because it's already all been done. It's true. It's true. How many people on Instagram have a shinier house than you, a better car, uh, you know, a better looking spouse, a better body? Like, I mean, pick whatever measure of comparison you like. It's right there in your face every time, right? So what's the instruction? Don't compare yourself with anyone. Why? Because God doesn't. That's why. He didn't make two of somebody else. He made you and them. It's not more complicated than that. He literally made you, and that's enough. That's enough reason and enough validation for you to go and be the shining expression of yourself. Actually. Because there's no one else to be the shining expression of you. And you will do a piss-poor job of being the shining expression of somebody else. True. This is true. Okay, so don't compare yourself with anyone. And then he says, towards the end again, work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to you in the community of faith. This is another, like, easy button. It's trying to make it easy for you to do the thing. So whoever you are, with whatever God's put in your way, 
how do you use that to serve other people around you? That's the question. However small, how do you serve the people around you from your true identity and whatever he's put in front of you, whether it's a lot or a little? That's the question. If you'll do that and not compare yourself with other people, something magical will happen. You will become a better version of yourself. Through whatever struggle is embedded in that, whatever journey is embedded in you being you and serving the people around you, it is enough to transform your life. How do I know this to be true? Well, because it says it in the book. Let's see here. We got one more. We can, there we go. Galatians 5.22. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things a sense of compassion in our hearts, and a, and a belief that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. What? That is a pretty decent list. That is something close to a personal definition of abundance. Like if all of those things were true, for me, I would feel pretty darn abundant in my life. It's interesting that these are the things that God says he will do if we follow this little path, this little three-step thing. If we do this and don't compare ourselves to other people and serve the people around us with who he's made us to be, this is what happens. All these things. So I ask you, who would like to be more exuberant about life, to have a radiance about you, because your life is freaking awesome. This is how. Who would like to be known as a person who sticks with things, that you got the gumption to kind of get it done? It's one of the things. And you learn that by being, we learn that by being ourselves in service to the people around us, developing a sense of compassion, what about believing the best in others? It says, actually, like there, we come to find out that there's an essential holiness in everyone. That's what's actually in the book. It says an essential holiness in everyone, which I've summarized as believe the best in other people. But what about that? It says believers in a holiness in things and people. Man, that'll change your life if you go around seeing everybody as worthy, seeing everybody else as capable, seeing everybody else as you are freed. Yes. Yes. This is what allows us to look at other people without the expectation of change, by the way. Wow. What about making loyal commitments? Don't have to force our way in life. Have you ever felt the need to force your identity? Like you've got to do something? Like you can't be the thing until you do the thing and put it on other people? It's funny. But if we do what God has right in front of us with the things that he's gave us, it's actually relatively effortless. We do, there might be a lot of work, but there's not a striving. There's not a need to, to push. 
like in that eh kind of way. There's a being, but maybe not the eh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how about being able to marshal and direct our energy wisely? Man, is it a distracting world out there? Are there a few distractions? Whew. Took me a day to get rid of mine with nothing else to do except be in a hotel room and stare at the wall. I had plenty of distractions to last me a whole day. I don't know about you. But what about that? To be able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Like we only get 168 hours in a week. And some portion of them are spent eating and sleeping and other things. And, you know, if you spend 40 of them working, um, you know, there's precious few of them left. And yet there's enough. How do you marshal that properly? God basically is promising that the pathway to getting all of these things comes from these simple things of just acting out in freedom of who he's made us and the things that he's put in front of us to do. And so I find that just amazing, amazing. And it's this. He says it will develop like fruit in an orchard, that God will do this. It's a gift that God gives. He gives all this list of things if we do this bit of obedience, and it's like fruit in an orchard. Well, how does fruit come in an orchard? Freely? Well, yes, for sure. You get a lot. An orchard makes a lot, doesn't it? It's like nothing, 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 nothing. Super much. Um, is it enough for you? Yes, like one apple tree is like probably more apples than I want to eat in a year. <laughs> right? So if it's an orchard, there's like, there's plenty of it, but it comes over time, doesn't it? Does an orchard build overnight? No, it takes a while to establish an orchard and to do all the things. And so there is something in here that God's like, look, this is a journey, my little children. And I'm going to do this thing with you. And it's going to turn out okay in a big, big way. But it doesn't have to start any particular bigness. So it's interesting to know, isn't it? that God doesn't need or want us to do anything for him. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't need or want us to do anything. But he does give us an identity and a purpose and plans to prosper us, not to harm us, and all those things. And... He gives us blessings. He puts things in our life. He gives us the power to make wealth. And what then do we do with the wealth? This is, this is the choice that he gives us to say, do you want to step into the thing that I'm doing? And he's curious, actually curious, what you will do with what he's given you. Wow. So when we sink ourselves deeply into what we decide, he's ready to use it to transform our lives, to give us a rich harvest and that whole list of goodness that was on the screen a minute ago. And that is some version of the good news, is that it's actually better 
It's so much better than fire insurance for some future catastrophe in heaven. It's actually fully the promise that heaven comes to earth for you right now with the people you are with. And that you get to be heaven to them. Heaven sent. For the people right around you. For the community that we live in. That's actually the good news. Is that we don't have to wait. That reality is now. So a question for you. What do you need to let go? Is there a project or a belief that you have been holding to impress God with? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. It's a worthy question. Is there anything that you need to let go that you've been trying to do for him? Is there a project that you're hoping to do for him because you believe that you'll be more worthy when you finish it? be something to note if that's true is there something in your life that God's kind of put there an opportunity or a possession or a thing a relationship and you haven't really entered into it like you're not really doing the thing like it's there for you but you're not doing the thing is there such a thing that would be something to really pay attention to I would submit to you. There's an invitation in that thing, in that place, with that person, with those people, with that possession, with that asset, with that resource. There's an invitation. What's there? I don't know. It's not my job. It's yours. <laughs> and we get to find out. Do we get to know in advance? No, he gives us gifts. We have to unwrap them. <laughs> And that's the feeling. The feeling should be unwrapping. The feeling shouldn't be like slave grind, like go dig it out of the, the, you know, the cave. It's not that. It's wrapped gift. I thought you would like this. And we're to approach it that way. With the, like, I am free. I have this identity. I get to explore this thing. I get to try it and do it badly. You have freedom to do it badly. We're going to start with the people around us who already have grace for how idiotic we are sometimes. Yeah. Okay, is there anything you've held back on like you started it a little bit and it was fun. It was appealing and resonant. But then you got a little scared maybe, or maybe a lot scared. I sure have. Is there some place that you're afraid of stepping out even though it's a part of who you are? And it's actually baked in and you can't get away from it. And it won't leave you alone, but you're still not doing it. If there is, that's something that is certainly worth a little bit of inspection. Um, and it's worth a little bit of who am I actually? Who are you actually to do that thing? You're exactly the right person to do that thing. That's 
the kind of person you are. It's not, who are you or who am I that the Lord should bless me so in this way? You're exactly the person that should be blessed in this way. You are exactly the person out of all the people in history to be chosen to do the thing for truth, for truth. Yeah. What would it mean for you to work out the implications of that thing so you could do it? I know there's obstacles in the way. All kinds of things that keep you from doing the thing. Okay, let's pretend for a minute that you've been on the planet for a hot minute. You have solved other problems in your life. Some of you have even made other human beings. You figured all kinds of things out. You all live in a house, you have cars, you have computers and TVs, you can travel around the world and do. You have sorted many things. What would it take to sort this thing that is in front of you? It's just a little opportunity he's given you to start with. He's not actually asking you to cure cancer just yet. Just yet. Right now, it's just, do you want to play with this thing in the box? And our job is to say, yes, I would like to play with the thing in the box. Well, what do you have to do to play with the thing in the box? Do you need to clear some time in your schedule? Do you need to develop some new relationships? Do you need to get some new education? Like, what do you need to do in your opinion, in your creative best judgment as an adult human being, divinely redeemed? What would you do next? Then just go do that thing. That's it. It's not more complicated than that, actually. So, we're not going to compare each, ourselves against each other, right? Because if we don't, then we can have grace for ourselves for all the learning on the journey. It's like an orchard. It's going to take a little bit. It's not going to be instant, but it will be worthwhile. The harvest is worthwhile, right? And that's good news. That's good news. If we cannot compare ourselves, then we can actually stay engaged through the mess, through the playing bad bass improvisations. We can, we can do that. And so I'm going to take you back now to, the, to that moment where I had this thing where I was like, hey, God, I'll do this thing for you. And he's like, nah. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Play, play this bass thing. And I was like, what actually went on there? I was actually offering him like, hey, how about we chuck out that whole freedom and covenant of grace thing and I'll like earn my way towards your favor. And he's like, Dude, that'd be a horrible way to do the relationship. Nah, I'm not interested. And so when I said, well, what do you want to do? I'm further just saying I fundamentally don't get how the program works. I'm like, well, if you don't want me to do that, what do you want me to do? And he gave me a snarky answer. He's like, well, if you want something to do, why don't you do this? Sucker. But do you see that? Like, I was asking the wrong question, and so I got the wrong answer. It wasn't what I needed to do. 
It was just who I wanted me to be. Like, being made this way, what would you do, kid? Why don't you go do that? I'd be happy with that. Man, what a head trip. Well, let me pray for you as we, as we conclude. Hopefully there's something in there for you. Heavenly Father, I ask that you will free us from performance. From the need to perform for ourselves, to perform for other people, and especially to perform for you. I pray that you will reveal adequacy to every person in this room. That they are deeply and wholly enough. I ask that you will give a special grace for exploration this week. For people to understand who they are, the freedom that they have, and the little gifts that you've already placed in their life waiting for them to open. I release a special measure of creativity for problem solving. Lord, raise all of our adulting. It's okay to take responsibility. It's okay to put your whole self in. And I just pray that you will have courage in Jesus' name. And I speak strength and courage to you in Jesus' name. Be strong and be very courageous. Be strong. Be very courageous in Jesus' name. I just bless the work that he's doing in your hearts. I bless the stirrings in your spirit now. Pay attention. Write it down. Don't waste the moment. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness in making each one of us unique and special and precious in your sight. Bind these things up for us, I pray. Amen. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll invite the prayer team to come up now. Uh, if there's something in here that you want prayer for, you can get that. If you need healing, if there's something in your life, an obstacle, take it to the throne. The prayer team will come up. You can do that. We're going to be back here next week. If we don't see you before then, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit Podcast. For more information about The Pursuit, visit us at thepursuitsoco.com.